Hey, hello everybody. My name is Charles Wiz, and I'm based in Yokohama and Osaka. And I'm um, Tony Silva in Osaka, Japan. And we're both university language teachers working in Japan for a long time. And we're starting a podcast called Two Teachers Talking, which is a discussion about how our weeks have gone, what we're doing, what we're learning, and what we're finding out about our teaching just based on the conversations that Tony and I are having with each other. So, Tony, why don't we start off by telling people why we're doing this podcast exactly? Well, we're doing it for a number of reasons. One of the things that we thought would be uh, useful for people is to have a place uh, to share experiences and uh, to share stories of what works and what doesn't. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, our experiences. Like together, the two of us have been teaching in Japan for about 50 years, kind of split down the middle. That's a scary thought. That's a very scary thought. And uh, talk about the you know the things that we've you know we've seen, what we've experienced here, what's worked for us, and of course all the things that haven't. And uh, those are the kind of things that um, maybe usually don't get discussed so much. We talk about things that you know are great successes, but um, we don't tend to broadcast our our screw ups that much. I, th I think that's a good idea because I know that you and I have always talked about I th our screw-ups first. <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons why we've always enjoyed talking with each other is that rather than saying, hey, I had a massive success doing this, I know that when you and I sit down and talk that we've always said, hey, here's how I screwed up. Unbelievable that I got away with it and what I did to fix it. And that's always been very beneficial for me, having that you know space where you and I can talk and I don't have to worry about being called out or being attacked or being criticized for making a mistake and being able to explore that mistake. And I know the feedback I've gotten from you has been something that I could immediately take into the classroom the following week. And uh, yeah, we did, don't get together, didn't get together that often, but when we did, we talk about our teaching, discuss our teaching, and um, the beer would flow and ideas would come out and they'd kind of evaporate. Uh, and uh, one of those times this earlier this year, we says, well, what we really need here is a, a mic on the table <laughs> so we can record some of this stuff because they're just, it was just slipping all away. And I said, well, what a, what a great idea. And so here we are now. So the podcast is basically a mic on the table between two teachers talking. We will not be drinking beer during the podcast, unfortunately. And if we do, we won't say it. Right. But you probably will notice. So... <laughs> The idea here then is that we would like to share some of our ideas and hopefully get feedback from people, from listeners, uh, sharing also what's happening for them. Because I always think that I need a place where I can go in and instead of saying, hey, I don't understand why the students did this, or actually, you can't even say that most of the time in the teacher's rooms. You can't say, I don't understand what happened or I don't know why. The idea that as a professional, I just can't go in and say help yeah, because I'm supposed to know by now after so many years of teaching, people just assume. Yeah. And I want a place where I can say, hey, I don't know. Yeah, admission of failures can become a taboo topic. It really has. And so I think a lot of why we're doing this is to say, hey, here are my failures. Here are your failures. And let's put them out so that people can listen and learn and Get rid of that taboo. Yeah. Although I don't know how that's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it'll, it'll it'll play out. And uh, as much as 
we'll be talking about our failures. Um, we hope to get to the point where we get enough feedback from listeners that we can share other people's stories of both successes and failures. Good point. And so we're coming at this from the point that failure is something that happens for a teacher and it's how you deal with those failures, those mistakes, those errors, and how do you go in and fix. So that actually leads us into, you know, really what this podcast is going to be about, what we're going to talk about. And I think, Tony, you have some very clear ideas about where you'd like to see the podcast go. Why don't you tell us about that? Well, I think we're what we'll be doing is we'll be shooting for a balance between... Um, you know, big ideas like, for example, you know, the role of the teacher and the relationships with students, um, general ideas about the kind of environment we try to create in the classroom. But, uh, you know, striking a very definite balance between those kinds of ideas and very practical tips uh, that, you know, shortcuts, tools, uh, techniques, things that we've stumbled onto. Um, or have picked up from other folks, um, and share those things with the listeners uh, that will help make their job easier and make them better teachers. It's mm, a really good point. I think that we want to go, we have general ideas. So, for example, I know that I will hear people say, yes, it's really important to create a positive classroom experience for the students. And I understand the importance of that, but I want to know a lot of times is, yeah, what specific things do you do? What the hell does or, that mean? <laughs> and what what How does do that do mean that? when what does that mean when I walk into a classroom and I am met with dead silence? Mm. You know, what are the concrete actual things that I can do that will fix that so I can achieve this goal that of course every teacher agrees on? How do you break down so, that wall without becoming the clown? And how do you do that specifically? specifically, what, are the, specifically. what are the techniques you do to do that? Although sometimes I think there's no way to get around it but, except by being a clown. And in that situation, we'll tell you how to be a clown. But I think that's a good point is that there's too many times where I get general things. And I'm going to give an example of this. And for anyone who's listening, please take a gander at this. If you go to the TED Talks, you'll, there's an interesting talk by Ken Robinson about how schools kill creativity. And the first time I listened to it, it's a great talk about the importance of creativity and creativity is as important as literacy. And you think it's a really great talk. But then when you get done and you think about it, you say to yourself, wait a second, I didn't get a single concrete thing that I can do out of that talk, even though it's a great, you know, meta talk. It's mm -hmm. a great general talk. And what we want to do is to say, hey, if we're going to say something or have a podcast about the importance of creativity, then people listening should be able to get, you know, five, three, four, five really good takeaways about what you can do in the following week immediately and easily to get more creativity in the classroom. Yeah, inspiration plus. Right, just not inspiration, but more than that. Yeah, well, let's maybe maybe some examples, right? So, uh one of the things that uh, we'll be talking about uh, at some point is, you know, the specific tools that we use for getting ready for class and things. And um in a discussion about spreadsheets, we talk about the the advantages disadvantages of different programs, how each of us use them and comparing uh, for example Excel and the the Apple counterpart um numbers um, specifically how we arrange the, the different sheets and so forth and so on and the way that 
numbers allows you to have several sheets visible in a single page, a single document, and also allows you to drag and drop photos of your students into the spreadsheet cells themselves. Um, you know, Excel offers other advantages. Numbers offers this advantage. How does how does Chuck use one? How do I use the other? Um, what did we find works best for what? Um, you know, something very specific like that. Right, and so you know, we will talk about exactly little things. How do you arrange your filing system for handling paper? Or, for example, what are the advantages of paper versus digital submissions, and how to use that? So the idea is that we'll. Um, to really try to look at general, but again, some very practical, actual uses of things. And you've got, yeah, you've got some ideas about, you know, what you specific, not tools per se, not tech things per se, but just very practical classrooms things that you do, that you've talked about, uh, that you do, for example, with students, textbooks and, um, Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. a good example, maybe, that, for example, Tony and I were having a discussion, right? You and I were having that discussion, right. and one day I said that, I was in a class of 30 students and seven students didn't bring the textbook. And instead of getting upset, I said, okay, fine, pair up with someone who has the textbook. And then we started um, going through the text together. And I realized that when I started looking at the students who were sharing the textbook, that there was a lot more interaction between those students than students who were paired up and each one of them had a textbook. Mm -hmm. And it's just a simple, obvious thing. Of course, shared material, one piece of material between all the students. If you put students into a group, don't give everybody a piece of paper. Four students should be working from one paper. And I try to do that, but it didn't occur to me until that day that it's not a negative if the student doesn't bring the textbook that day. And it, because usually the student who doesn't bring the textbook might not be the best student. And then I can pair that student up with a better student. So an example of how a negative became a positive and I learned that I shouldn't be getting upset and it made more sense to how can I take that situation and turn it into a better situation or how can I just see better? And, the, yeah, and also underscore that, yeah, not only the things that uh, we've stumbled onto and discovered ourselves, the, the easy way or more likely the hard way, also to get other people's ideas, too, and, and share those and put those out there. Right. It's a good point, because I think, again, going back to it would be nice to share our stumbles, because I know that whenever I've watched a really great teacher, I can't figure out what they're <laughs> doing right. You know, they just seem miraculous. I remember I had one um, professor in my graduate program who, no matter what, would always end the class at exactly the time <laughs> it was supposed to end, almost as if you could watch the second hand of the clock click on to 12. And I had no idea how this person did that. And then I had another professor who could never end on time, would always go over. But that person, I could figure out what they were doing wrong. So I think that... Maybe what we want to do is help each other in terms of finding out what it is that we're doing wrong, because I cannot learn from a perfect example in many ways. I need the bad example. And those we are not. Yes, and I will be able to provide many of those bad examples. Yeah. Okay, and we were going to say maybe helpful for people to understand how you and I got into teaching. Yeah, why? How did we end up here? Yeah, how did you end up here? And also, how did you end up in Japan? Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're kind places. of the two things kind of go hand in hand. I've been here 
I've been in Japan for almost, well, 22, 23 years or so. Um, teaching has always been an interest to me. I, my work life in the United States was at a university, though not teaching, uh, more in an administrative role. But uh, uh, my interest in teaching and you know, realization of its importance goes back to a, you know, a high school teacher that I had, a high school English teacher, who was... Um, yeah, well, inspirational. One of those those people you hear stories about uh, that uh, you know. He just he was a high school English teacher. He south side of Chicago. Um, he didn't need to be there. He had a PhD. He could have had a cush job at a university somewhere at any time he wanted. But he slugged it out there at all boy high school on the south side of Chicago. And um, yeah, he touched our lives. And I get together with my high school friends every now and then now, and his name always comes up. Um, that mm-hmm. maybe is a big influence. I had some. Informal teaching experience, uh, teaching automobile racing, uh, teaching karate a little bit in the United States. Um, but then came to Japan, uh, late 80s, early 90s, and uh, began teaching English here and um, really kind of fell in love with the career. And uh, one of the things that um, that really hooked me, uh, teaching university age students in Japan, is that... Um, Whereas in, in my country, in the United States, by the time of students in the university, um, they're adults. They're, they're, they're pretty much fixed. Um, and one of the wonderful things about uh, teaching universities in Japan is that because the, the students in, in junior high school and high school have had so little individual freedom, um, there's, you can still reach them. You can still touch them. And... Uh, what an amazing power and what amazing responsibility and uh, a realization of it, like, yeah, this is something that's very important and something that you really want to do right. And so that's why I'm still doing it. Mm. I think probably everyone who gets into teaching has the teacher story mm. about the one or two teachers who affected them. And I'm the same way. I had an incredible teacher in sixth grade who... Uh, actually would spend half an hour, 40 minutes after school every day helping me to toss a football because I wanted to learn how to throw a football. No matter how hard I tried, I could not do it. And he did that just in his own time. And even today, I can still think, and I remember that teacher really well. And that kindness really affected me. And then there's the other teachers, one in high school and a couple in university, who just made me think in completely different ways and made me realize that there was a whole other world out there in terms of the intellectual life. Um, In fact, I started out as a bioengineering major when I went off to university, and because of a one-hour talk by a graduate student who was teaching our humanities section, I became a literature major because he just made that field, that area so exciting, so interesting, so fascinating. I think the key for me was that somebody connect, helped me connect the dots. And I'm teaching for the same reason. I want to help people connect the dots. Like you, I've been in Japan for oh, since 1988. And I find that it's a joy just to be in a classroom working with young people. And you're right, Tony, that if you teach in Japan, the, the students have not had that free space to explore intellectually and to have a free space in a classroom and I get to design a classroom and create experiences for them to have those kind of wow moments yeah. and I just really enjoy watching those 
eyes light up or the student go, yeah, wow. I live for those moments and that's why I'm still teaching. It's a thrill. It's a rush. Um, and that's how I got into it and that's why I stay in the field. Yeah, and that, that rush, that interest that you know, we just both just talked about and seeing those light, you know, like light in those kids' eyes. Um, yeah, we hope that what we're doing here will also help other people kind of get be able to do that, not be able to do it, but be aware of it and realize its importance and and get you know get better at it as we're trying to get better at it. Yeah. yeah I think that's it that I always always feel like I'm just not good enough yet. <laughs> There's progress. I feel I'm qualified. I feel like I know what to do, but I still have a long way to go to get better. Well, that's so. it. I mean, we're getting back to that the, the discussion that with the, with the beers in front of us in the in the bars of yeah, we talk about it's like how how do we get better and uh, and we just try to take it to another venue. So you know, whether the beer is here or not, um, these discussions you know, for you know, as much for you know ourselves as for the listeners, yeah, trying to get better and uh, trying right. to find ways to get better and sharing those ways to get better. So. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it is to say that to uh, any everyone who's listening to us is welcome to our table. Yeah. And so uh you know join in on the conversation please. Yeah, and uh some of the things that we'll we'll talk about in the future, you know that we've got, you know, on the table we've talked about quite a bit ourselves already, but um specific things like uh, classroom space. How do you adapt that space? You know, how do you overcome the limitations of a classroom um to make it uh, a, a good place for learning um mm. lesson planning i mean how, how much detail how much freedom how much flexibility must haves options those kinds of things teacher burnout right. um a real liability for lots of people um there'll probably be a lot of sections on text because we're both geeks <laughs> and uh, we'll talk a lot about you know things that work things that don't work um the specific challenges to of working without it and with it um coordinate how to survive the first week oh geez yeah that right and we barely uh, did that's this year right and mistakes we always make yeah. uh, coordinated programs topic, and... uh coordinated programs versus uh teachers having complete freedom and the topic you brought up that i think is incredibly interesting is the teacher plagiarism issue mm, right Right, where another one of those things that we don't talk about. <laughs> right, but st we t always talk about student plagiarism and all the mechanisms in place to make sure that students don't steal or use other people's ideas. Um, and what about teachers using a couple of pages from a textbook and copying that off? Is that right? Is that wrong? Is that black and white? Is it a gray area? Using other people's materials, how much do we have to attribute it? Do we not? So we'll try to cover a wide range of topics that will hopefully be of interest to people but again we're hoping that after people listen that you will have four or five takeaways that you can actually implement in the classroom after listening to us chatting with each other but at the same time still having an overall more global picture of what's going on yeah well i kind of yeah that's i think kind of about it that's kind of what you can expect i think we've given a a pretty good picture of of what we're going to try to do um our first episode will be up uh when this is available it's and uh that's at uh, two teachers talking.com 
And uh, the email address where we very much welcome your comments, suggestions, and so forth, um, two teachers talking at gmail.com. And we hope that people will listen and we hope that people will get in touch with us and communicate and tell us what they're thinking and how they feel about the podcast. And welcome along this ride with Tony and I while we kind of explore and basically document the year of teaching from 2012 to 2013. And it'll become an interesting kind of journal, actually, mm -hmm. teaching journal that we're going to be opening up to the world of uh, any all people who want to listen. Yeah, pour yourself a drink and join us. Right. Okay, so everyone, thank you very much again. This is Two Teachers Talking. Our website is twoteacherstalking.com. And if you want to get in touch with us, twoteacherstalking at gmail.com. I'm Charles Wiz. And Tony Silva. And thanking you for listening and looking forward to the future podcasts. Have a good week, Tony. Okay, you too, Charles.